So my I'm I'm a lot more simplistic in my views on weight training now. Um, it's it, it I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but Charlie Francis called it chicken soup. I mean, you can't fuck up chicken soup. You know, you you're throwing some chicken thighs and you're throwing some onions and you're throwing some carrots and whatever, right? Like and you got chicken soup. Like how how much of what? Like does it matter? Like I, I won't make that big of a difference. How much better can chicken soup get? How much worse can it get? Right? So as long as you're not a total total monkey and throwing shit everywhere, like you'll you'll be fine. You know, getting getting stronger is as easy as falling out of a boat and hitting water. <laughs> That was Coach Mike Wadango speaking on the simplicity and the context of strength development in an athletic performance program. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Simply Faster. Simply Faster is an online athletic performance technology shop distributing items such as the free lap timing system, gym aware, K-Box, 1080 Sprint, and the Speed Mat. I've gotten many of these items from Simply Faster and can confidently say that they make today's best training technology available to everybody. The free lap timing system has revolutionized both my practices and my athlete assessments, allowing me to look at the 10 meter fly capability of dozens of athletes in a matter of seconds. It is wireless, compact, portable, and incredibly versatile. The K-Box and 1080 Sprint are fantastic tools for any coach looking to build speed, agility, and implement training scenarios that go beyond the traditional weight room. The 1080 Sprint is being used by great coaches training some of the fastest sprinters in the world, and it truly represents high-performance speed training. I can personally attest that Simply Faster's customer service is second to none. Christopher at Simply Faster responds quickly to queries, and anyone who makes a purchase from Simply Faster is in good hands. If you want to acquire some of the best high-tech training equipment available, stop by simplyfaster.com. That's simply with an I, faster.com. They are the future of coaching technology. Welcome to 151, episode 151 of the Just Fly Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Smith. Uh, I'm still kind of chuckling from um, doing the the little intro that, that Mike did on the teaser, if you heard it. Uh, Mike is just hilarious, man. Uh, yeah, Mike Odango is our, our guest today for episode 151. Um, I'm your host, Joel Smith. If, you, if I didn't say that already, you probably know that. Uh, anyways, um, so Mike Odango is one hilarious but also incredibly wise and, and passionate and evolving individual in the athletic performance field. And I was so stoked to have him for this episode. Uh, if you, you don't know who he is, he is the owner, a coach and owner at Freak Strength in Oakland, New Jersey. Mike was originally noticed by working with Joe DeFranco, who is a legend in the industry and, and also a previous guest on this show. Uh, and he has also mentored under uh, the incredible wisdom of coaches such as Buddy Morris and James the Thinker Smith. Mike has coached athletes from virtually not every sport, but a lot of them, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, Rugby League, and Olympic medalists, um, all the way to young athletes, and has had tremendous levels of success. His wisdom has shown through, and he's also a personal trainer to uh, Kevin Love and in the NBA, and just is is becoming this uh, one-stop shop, as he'll talk about today, in, in incorporating and, and adding on multiple skills to his repertoire and his abilities. 
Uh, all that aside, uh, Mike, Mike is just one of the most authentic and transparent coaches in the industry. Uh, as a field, we're always looking to uh, push forward into more efficient ways of doing things into these greater levels of awareness. We're, we're pushing outside of bubbles just to, to look back on things and see things more clearly as to how we can more, one, just use our time more efficiently as coaches. Uh, and then you being able to, in, in that, with that taken care of, being able to push forward into new levels of education and learning and ways to serve athletes that are, will, will yield greater transfer. And so as always, like one of the big things is talking about strength training and barbell training, as you heard from the teaser and once, you know, and, and just not hyper-focusing on just little elements of barbell training. so we can get outside of that and, and be able to serve athletes in a greater capacity. I value real and authentic conversations this talk with Mike Godango is the absolute epitome of that. I was laughing uh, all the time in this episode talking to Mike. I was laughing editing it, not not in like in, in a good way. I, my wife was listening to me like edit this thing, and she's like, "What are you laughing at?" And I'm just Mike is just hilarious and authentic and real. And when we look at, I think when we look at both, you know, if you're just a co- if you're an athlete listening to this. Uh, you, you're not necessarily coaching uh, people actively. There's a ton of gold in it just in, in looking at what matters in your own training. But even more so if you're a coach, whether you're a track coach, sport coach, for physical preparation, whatever, uh, just how this show puts things into context. And I think how it shows how the whole field is evolving and where we're ultimately heading is awesome. So, so for this chat with Mike Wodango, uh, we're going to get into uh, Mike's own personal journey in sports performance. Uh, largely, how you know, I, I always I think the matrix and the red pill is so profound. But Mike's going to talk about his own experience in that of himself as a coach now versus say uh, even five or ten years ago. Uh, it's going to tie heavily into the global dynamics model that James the Thinker Smith has put out there of coaching of which if you listen to the Sam Portland episode and some of the other guests that we've had that are not just a physical prep coach, but also sport coaches and how that is evolving the industry and what we do. So we're going to talk about Mike's journey. He's going to talk about how little we actually know in regards to training in the grand scheme of things and with some, um, some, some illustrations of masters in other fields, such as acupuncture and these, these long-term mentorships and, and how our field is kind of a, just a very shade, a small shade of that in some senses. We just we work intern for a year and we're, we're thrown into the field. Uh, he's also going to talk about the role of a strength coach and, and how we're assigning general physical preparation means and workloads. And he's going to give us some insight into his own movement training for his athletes to help them feel and perform at their best. This was super enjoyable. Awesome show. And I hope you guys truly enjoyed as much as I did. When does it really, um, when does it really stop for you? Like, do you, do you kind of get, I mean, do you hit like a little nice, nice little downtime at any point here? Cause I thought you were like NBA winding down. I thought it was gonna be like pretty chill. You have any time to unwind a little bit? Traditionally, um, months, I, I think it was April was always slow for me. Um, the, the end of April was always slow going into the beginning of May and then, <clears throat> then the month of September. Uh, those, those were usually my slowest months or my slowest times, but 
Uh, I mean, since starting school, that's that's not the case. And then uh, it, uh, with with the increase, the influx of professional athletes like this, this September, I started training. I started training Kevin Love. So that was consuming all my time. So even my free time was just it was so it was so jam packed with all like between phone calls and, and emails and testing and, and, you know, dealing with all these guys, it, I, I really don't, I, I don't have any free time anymore. I, there's, there's no slow time. The, the, the only slow time that I actually had this year, actually, that's, that's a lie. I had a week, I had a week off or I get two weeks after my semester is over. Um, we, we get two weeks in between each trimester and, that one week, uh, Kevin was actually in in Thailand, um, Phuket or something like that. I, I, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Um, <laughs> and, and I, I that that whole week would have been like a perfect time for me to just like chill out and do whatever. I got I got some kind of stomach virus, and I was I was up all day and all night, just like puking and shitting my brains out, like for for probably two or three days straight, and then the entire week. I was just completely ruined. So then by the time he got back from vacation, I was finally feeling better. And then I had to go back to work. So my, I've had in the past in the past year, I've had legitimately one week off and I spent it laying on a couch. <laughs> yeah, not a, that's not a, there's no there's absolutely no shame in spending it lying on the couch. I think I've that's one thing I've learned is it's totally fine. Uh, you don't have to have like an epic, like an epic vacation and take Instagram pictures of it, right? And look at my, <laughs> look at my epic, <laughs> look at my epic week off and how awesome it was. <laughs> right on, man. Uh, what, um, what, what guy, I know this isn't like common for strength coaches and sports performance or whatever it is. And I know we'll talk about that, but like, um, to, to go into acupuncture, right? Like, so what, what led you down that path? I want to change my thought process. Um, so I, I took a personality test, um, a, a couple of, a couple of months or actually over a year ago now, shit. And, <clears throat> and one of the things that it said was I'm, I'm low in abstract thinking, right? So uh, I'm, I'm like the, the walking example of man with a hammer syndrome, right? <laughs> the, the guy to, to the man with a hammer, everything becomes a nail. So I literally need to teach myself to use other tools and I have to go out of my way to think like that because I can't, I, it doesn't come naturally. So I want to learn a brand new way to think. Acupuncture is a very woo woo way to think, uh, especially for someone like me. That's very, it's very Western based. That's how I was brought up with everything. So it, it'll expand my thought process. And then on top of that, uh, I, I want another, I, I, I want something else to be able to do. I want to be able to oversee more because my, most of my guys, my pro guys will go see acupuncturists and acupuncturists anyway. And I, I don't like, I can handle all their, all the rehabs. I do everything now, essentially. Um, but now when it comes to sticking needles into guys, needle intervention, I, I didn't have the authority to do something like that. And I didn't know what the hell these guys were having done to them. So I didn't know how invasive this was. Um, would we be able to do any high intensity work post needle intervention? Like what's, what's the story? Did you have acupuncture before this? Do you have acupuncture after that? What, what is the recovery going to be like? And I could talk to someone about it, right? I could, I could bring in an acupuncturist too, if I wanted to, but it's, it, there's nothing, you can't understand it unless you do it. I really want to, I really wanted to learn how to do it that way. I could literally handle absolutely all aspects 
of physical preparation outside of surgical intervention and pharmaceutical. But even acupuncture has an herbal program that if I wanted to, that's like their pharmacy. But most of my most of my NBA guys, NFL, oh, most of my pro guys, um, I wouldn't be able to do any of the pharmacy, the herbology with because you don't know what's NCA legal and what's not or NFL, NSF certified, all that stuff. Yeah, the that that is kind of a weird thing with uh, like I've gotten into a little bit of herbalism stuff after I've had Logan Christopher on the show who runs a herbalism company down in Santa Cruz. I've been using a lot of that and I, and I love it. But I, it's like I can't. I mean, you know, I'm not supposed to recommend anything to athletes, anyways. But even like my postgraduates who aren't in school, I wouldn't feel comfortable. It's like, how are you going to test positive for like I don't know, like pine pollen? Like, what's like some of these things going to do? But it's just yeah. kind of a, it, it's kind of a funny or an interesting, an interesting world. I, I really, I have a huge respect for that. Like thinking about like acupuncture and, and the thought process and, and kind of opening up and like re, uh, that takes a lot of um, awareness to kind of understand. Uh, where where you are like that and and something to know the next step that's going to make a huge change and I, I I think that's incredible I I was going to say as well like I I don't I've never had acupuncture done and I don't I don't necessarily understand it like you said but I do know I was just talking with Keegan Smith on a podcast that I recently recorded with him on like the more people there are it's like a business like the more people there are in the management team or the the bigger the business gets the more inefficient it gets so it's like fundamentally. Yeah. You know, the more people who are working on an athlete, it's 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 just too many minds to connect together, you know, and there's just too much, you know, we're not like an ant hive, you know, it just doesn't work that way. And so I, I totally get that being able to have more things under your own control better is going to give you uh, and also probably give the athletes a much better experience over time. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's just it too, right? <clears throat> the bigger the bigger business gets, the more inefficient it becomes, right? So I, I've never wanted to be a businessman. <laughs> you know, I don't want to manage people. I just want to frigging coach. So mm-hmm. whatever enables me to do the most coaching with the least amount of oversight of of coaches or employees, the the better. You know, so it's it's like more more tools in the toolbox. Now there's there's less people that need to man the tools. I can I can handle I'm I'm proficient in all these different exercises, all these tools. Good. I don't, I don't need anyone else to do it. And I, I become the one-stop shop and it makes my life, I mean, makes it busy, but it makes it way easier for me to account to, for absolutely everything. And all money stays in house if you're in the private, you know? So it's now, now instead of them going from place to place to place, oh, I got to go get a massage and then I have to go get needlework and then I have to get personal training and then I have to get stretching. Like I, I can do absolutely all of it. Yeah. And that's, I, I feel like that's just such a good situation. And I bet you, I mean, you're probably learning a lot of things, even though it's acupuncture, like you said, it's woo, it's a little woo woo. Like it's something that, especially like Western, the Western drug and, and, um, uh, you know, I guess you could say non-preventative. I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for. Uh, but it's hard to understand for a lot of people, but I'm sure that's probably also teaching you a lot of things about just like how the athlete's body works and helping you to make like more connections uh, just in general, just training the general athlete, um, just straight up, like, like crossing things over. Um, are, I mean, are, is there anything like that's, that's, um, that you're learning from acupuncture that you're t- porting over to just the general training process? Oh, totally. And, and th- now to be clear, I'm in my first, first year, there's 150 credits that I have to take. Um, it's, it's a three-year program and I'm barely, I'm, I'm just kind of getting into it now. Um, so I barely know 
all that much about acupuncture right now, but the, the little that I know with, with some moderate pulse diagnosis, um, some tongue diagnosis stuff, like I'll look at an athlete's tongue and be like, oh, you've been eating X, Y, and Z. If they're, if they're complaining of joint issues or whatever, and, and I can give them some different foods to eat and different, we do different cupping techniques on them, um, in different, in different, uh, points for whether it's with acupuncture points or just general, general musculocutaneous, you know, muscular areas. Um, it, it makes a big difference with them because now all of a sudden, rather than just saying, Oh, my shoulder hurts and we cup their shoulders. If we, if we go through certain pathways and certain acupuncture channels and, and stay consistent with those, it actually facilitates the process, which is really cool. Um, it's kind of like the, uh, I mean, uh, RPR, right? You, mm -hmm. you've, you've heard of RPR and they, it's on all these different points. It's, it's kind of like a combination. That's, that's kind of where they're trying to go with it, right? It's, it's the combination of, of the Western and the Eastern coming together to, to have like the Western goal, um, and, and really being able to apply the, the channels to a general population like how how are we going to get these people and how are we going to simplify certain certain things to be able to transfer over so all you got to do is palpate your chest if you want to hit your if you want to hit your calves or something like that right so there's there's certain there's certain pathways that exist that <laughs> for some reason I, acupuncture thinks they've found and they seem to be working um so and, and i'm using some of the rudimentary shit that i know to apply it to some of the guys without obviously without using needles. Um, and, and it's really been, it's been helping. It's pretty cool. The guys and the kids get a kick out of it too. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm sure. And yeah, I remember, um, yeah, when I was, um, I was doing, it was actually the be activated classes I was doing before RPR came along, but with, with Douglas heel. And as he was, um, he was kind of explaining some of the points he said, Oh, if you're an acupuncturist, this is point like, you know, K 27 or something like that. Like he would have, um, it was all, it was all interrelated. And so, it's even cool too, as I learn more about like, um, like direct current electro stim and like I have, I printed out like a chart of the acupuncture or acupuncture points. So it's like, cause when that, that current hits one of those points, it's like, a this, it's, it's this almost like suction of like nervous, you feel it like so much more than when it's at other points in many cases. And so it's like, you know, my chance to try to learn a little bit more about that part of the body. And I mean, just, it's cool learning about muscles, but it's like after about, you know, 10 years, it's like, okay, I think, <laughs> I think I got a lot of these down. Like there's always, it's, there's always more to learn. Right. And it's, um, it's cool how that all can come around. Yeah. Well, I mean, the other thing too, is I'm, I'm a compulsive learner. I really, I really, really need to constantly be learning. Um, and it was stressing me out. It's probably part of my freaking psychosis. <laughs> um, it was, it was stressing me out that I was, I wasn't going in an actual direction, you know, so now I joined a curriculum. So now I don't even, I, I don't have to stress the curriculum showing me exactly what I need to learn and, it, and it, it makes my life that much easier. But it's, it's pretty cool where we're going over different lung points right now and, you know, different muscles and different, yeah, that the acupoints actually, a lot of them coincide with uh, certain trigger points on muscles. So like lung, lung wong, for instance, that's, that's your your pec minor. So it's, it's a lung point and it's supposed to help with any kind of breathing or, 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 or skin issues or whatever. And, uh, 
lung one goes right on the pec, pec minor, which is which the responsibility is inspiration, which is pretty cool. Like that's that's how they figured it out. Lung lung two is on the subclavius, right? So those those are motor points there on themselves. It, so it's it's really cool how they how they kind of co and you know the acupuncturists have no idea what the hell I'm talking about because they're not they're not exercise physiologists, so they don't know the body like that. They they look at it in a completely different way. But it's cool how a lot of they, they really figured a lot of stuff out, whether they knew it or not, like that it would actually have this type of effect because, I mean, did they know what a pec minor was uh, 5,000, 3,000 years ago, however long it was, or the subclavius? No, like they didn't have this assignment. They, they didn't know that the muscle did this. They just, it, I guess they swung and, they swung and hit. <laughs> You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast brought to you by Simply Faster. Yeah, no, it's and it's it's really it's awesome too how you're able to connect those worlds as you go along. I I like what you mentioned. I I about learning. Like I I've heard. I think it was Robbie's podcast. You were talking about how you would wake up at like one in the morning and just like learn something. Like or you'd stay up till late and you just learn something till five in the morning or something like that. And you would pick the subject you and read it. Like it's something like like didn't what what exactly was that schedule that you had? Because I've never heard anyone who's done that before. So one of my favorite things to do. Uh, was to wake up, set my alarm for like two in the morning. Um, I'd set my alarm, and my my girlfriend at the time, actually, when I first started doing it, I was I was engaged, and I'm no longer I was engaged. Yeah. So, by the way, I'm I, yeah I'm, I'm I'm divorced. So now my girlfriend at the time, uh, I had done that for like four or five years, and I would wake up at two in the morning every Wednesday. Wednesday was my favorite fucking day. Um, I'd wake up at two in the morning, take either like an Adderall or a Provigil or something. Obviously, I had a script. Um, and then like brew a pot of coffee and then just read nonstop for maybe 20 hours. And my my plan was I saw this one TED talk that uh, that said all you need to become truly average at something is 20 hours of work. Hmm. So – I said, oh, shit. And then on his 20th hour, like, was him playing the guitar. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty average at the guitar. So I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm going to take, I'm gonna take that, that concept and apply it to things that I want to learn. And they say, you know, anywhere between five and 15,000 hours to become an expert at something, right? Like, wh- whoever, whoever said that. Um, so rather than spending 10,000 hours on a subject, I said, well, I'm going to go in depth. I'm going to spend pick a topic that I want to learn, spend 20 hours learning about that topic. Then I'm going to find three to five subcategories of that topic and spend 20 hours on those. And then find three to five of those topics, those are subcategories of those subcategories and spend 20 hours on those. And before you know it, you be, you have an average amount of knowledge in uh, one category and it's different realms and all of a sudden you became an expert. It was really cool. I kind of stumbled upon it. So for about four or five years, I was, I was doing that, um, weekly, uh, sometimes twice a week. And it really, it, I, I love it. It's, I I haven't done it in a while, like to, to that extent, but it's, it's, I love, those were my favorite days. I used to look forward to Wednesdays all the time. Man, I, it's almost like uh, I'm sure that that way of learning is certainly not for everybody. But I I think about the American like educational system. I guess even the world in general. But like you know, you go to a school and you you spend a whole semester on something of 
of which you're going to forget a lot of it, you know, at least in traditional education. I think obviously, you know, you doing acupuncture, something totally completely different and immersive and re directly relevant, but like compared to like a standard liberal arts education where it's like a whole semester, it's like, well, if you just spent 20 hours on something, you know, like and enough to be proficient and it's intense and focused. I, there's something like to me that's very powerful about uh, learning that way. Um, totally different too, but I'm, it's, um, I, I, I just have huge respect for you for waking up at 2am. There's no way I could have done that. You'd be surprised. I mean, <laughs> if, if you're really interested in something, but, but again, this, this goes back to our earlier conversation of how, how I developed like brutal, <laughs> brutal anxiety because I was, I was sleep deprived for, for four or five years. So four hours of sleep a night isn't conducive to, to any kind of mental health stability. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, you'd be surprised you're, you're interested in something, man. Like you, you find the time you really, I mean, you're, you're, when your kids, when your kids were first born, you woke your ass up and you fed them and you rocked them and you changed your shitty diapers. Like you, you, if it's important enough to you, you'll do it. That just happened to be really high on my priorities. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. If you learn something and it's, I, I really admire that you're like your passion in the field for just learning and everything that you're doing. And one of the things that you said the last time we talked on the phone was that you felt like where you are now in the way that you're learning about um, the world of sports performance uh, physical prep, what, you know, whatever the label is that you want to put on it, um, is far different than it was like six years ago. Like you had mentioned, if, if you had asked you, someone had asked you six or seven years ago about various topics, you would have had a good answer or, but it's totally different than what it would be now. And so could you tell, uh, talk to me a little bit about like your journey over the last six years? Like what are some of those, I guess, you know, the matrix, like red pills that you took where you're just like, whoa, like <laughs> I have a whole new like rock to turn over to learn about this industry and the way that I approach athletes. Yeah. So uh, six years ago, seven years ago, you asked me, you asked me a question. I have an absolute answer, right? I, I'm, I remember when I first, I first tried interning uh, or I first emailed buddy, buddy Morris to intern with him. And I said, listen, you know, I, I have a good idea on how to train an athlete in the offseason. That's easy. But what I'm really, really stuck on is the in-season stuff. Like, I know what to do for the off-season training. I don't really know what to do for the in-season training. And, you know, I'm fresh out of college, been a part of DeFranco's for, for a few years at that point, you know, been personal training and stuff. So I really thought I had a handle on stuff. And, I mean, you could have had me on a podcast then. I would have told you exactly how to train Usain Bolt, <laughs> you know. Um, and it, it's... I mean, I know, I, I'd like to think I know way more now than I knew then. And my answer is just, I don't, I don't fucking know anything. Um, it's, it's, that's So I've, I've, I've turned down more podcasts than I've been on um, because, because of that reason I'm sitting here and I, I mean, who really knows the answers to, to any of this crap that we're doing. And, and it's, it's, I, I, I just feel so uncomfortable talking about what I don't know, you know, without saying that I, that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, I mean, I've been around, I, I've been around DeFranco's, I, I was, I was a part of DeFranco's gym for over 10 years. Um, I was working there for like five years or so, or seven years, whatever the hell it was. And now I've had my own spot now for five years. Um, and I was mentored by, Buddy Morris, who was one of the first strength conditioning coaches ever, and and James James a Thinkersmith, who's, I mean anyone that's that's heard his podcast knows that the, or his uh, any of his podcasts, any of his interviews or global sports concepts. Um, I mean or read his book. I mean they know he knows his shit, 
and these these you know leading guys in the industry that I spent significant time with, and I I man, it's I, I just don't feel like I know anything now. Um, and after talking to uh, one of my deans or the dean at my school, um, he was doing this one technique to a guy, and he was like massaging his hand. And looks at the guy, he's like, oh, does your back hurt? He said, yeah. Lower back, left side? He said, yeah. I looked at him and said, what the hell are you doing? He goes, oh, it's, um, it's a, uh, mm, you're not going to learn this. I said, what? He goes, yeah, it's like a family technique. I said, well, where'd you learn it? He said, China. I said, well, so I got to go to China to learn this stuff. Like, where, where, who, who taught you in China? He said, the masters. I said, what the hell's a master? Um, he said, well, in acupuncture, the masters are the guys that read all the books before they were burned. Um, in, in China, communist China came and took over. They burned all the books. So the masters are the people that read the books before they were all burned. So all the acupuncture books are like kind of being rewritten. Um, so I said, oh, well, what's so why can't you just go? Why can't people just go and learn from the masters? The problem is they're all dying off. I said, so why don't you teach? You've learned from them. He goes, no, I don't know enough. I said, so you've been a dean of a school for like 15 years. You've been practicing acupuncture for 25 years, 30 years, and you don't think you know enough to teach people. Like in, in that extent, I said, that's, that's the problem with our industry. I said, I've been doing this for 10 or 12 years now, whatever it's been. And, you know, I, I train a lot of high-level guys and a lot of people are asking me, oh, write a book or, or release a product or, or do this interview, do that interview. Like you're – you're one of the leading guys. And, dude, you ask an accountant who's been around for 10, 12 years, they're just a fucking accountant. You know, they're, they're not the leading accountant. They're not the guy. You know, it takes, it takes years to, to develop that. And, and he had said it takes 10 years to start learning someone else's techniques. Then you spend another 10 years developing your own techniques. And you spend another <laughs> 10 years really honing in on your own techniques. And then after that, you go and you teach. Right. So I'm, I'm really maybe I had an accelerated process where I might be developing my own techniques now, I guess. And I really need to start perfecting them. And then, you know, I, I don't know, but it's I'm, I'm nowhere near where I want to be and, and comfortable enough to, to really be be calling myself an authority of anything. You know, that's and, and that's 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 always been like my not always, but but recently that's that's been my. My, my drawback, my, my uh, let me not speak about this because I really don't know what the hell I'm saying. No, I, I totally understand that. I think it was, it was Charles Bullock when he said like, don't, don't even write in this field until you're 40, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and, and I'm like, oh shit, I started when I was 23. Like that's, <laughs> and people like actually, you know, like I, I mean, but, but I, I see that in myself. Like I see the same thing in the sense of the, what I thought was true five years ago or when I, when I was 30. I don't agree with anymore, like, like, and how my pendulum has swung back and forth on a lot of things, um, over a period of time. And I think I, I saw someone, um, post this on social media. It was like, where are you ask yourself, where are you Dunning Krugering, which the average person wouldn't even think, you know, about like, or basically like, where do you, that the, the mental, um, heuristic where you think, you know, a lot more than you do early in your space. And then you slowly start to, um, learn more over time. But it was the same thing for me in, in a ton of areas. And I, I always think to myself, I've, this shows, I, I think, um, like, I guess maybe how arrogant I was earlier in my, uh, just even <laughs> physical prep career. But like, I would think to myself, 
like what am I going to learn next year? Like in the sense of not not like not like I'm not going to learn anything, but I'm like like almost this this thought where it's like wow, I, I feel like I I kind of got it. I feel like I know a lot. I've had a lot of good experience. Like and trying to picture myself the next year knowing like more than I do now. And now it's easy. Now I'm 35 and I'm like, oh, I'm going to know way more next year than I know. Like it's like you start to the more you start to take on and realize what's out there. Um, the more you realize that that is exactly the case. And now I'm like, okay, when I'm 40 or 45, I'm like, what? it's almost like I'm excited for it. Like I'm, I'm excited to see where I'm at at that point because I, I, I just look at like kind of that journey and that space and, and I totally understand, I, I totally get it. Um, and so I, I want to dig into that a little bit though too. And I think that takes a lot of humility to say, cause I think that that it's, it's, it's rare to come across somebody who would, who would admit that, especially in a world of like, you know, like training the NFL combine. My guy ran a four three. Like, oh, look at my training program, right? Like, you know, and, and then that also develops like a mysticism around things because everyone's like, oh, what was the training program for that one guy who who did that? You know, you know, yep. and then like, and so then it just gets crazy. But I just think it takes a lot of humility and then perspective on your part to actually come forward and say that. And I feel like if more people were like you in that sense. Uh, especially those of us who haven't been practicing quite that long. Cause I mean, I haven't, you know, I mean, we're both in our mid thirties, right? We're, we're far from that, you know, the, the acupuncture masters you're talking about, but I, I think it just takes a lot of perspective and humility to actually come forth and say that and admit that. And I think the coaching field overall would be a little better if we, we had a little bit more of the perspective that you've had. Oh, I know. And that's, that's, that's been my, my big issue with, with the industry is, it's it's all based off of a bunch of fucking know-it-alls. They they know the best way to get stronger. They know the best way to get faster. Here's the best way to jump higher, you know? I and I just I can't be a part of it. It drives it drives me nuts. I hate I hate having to whore myself for business. I refuse to do it. I I post the video of of Kevin Love uh on on my business page of him doing like some basic stuff. Right, like some of his warm up, some of his some of his push pull stuff that we do. It's and it's some someone had commented, uh, it's like, oh, he's doing all beginner shit. Well, what do I have to do to make it not beginner shit? Like, at, have him on a fucking Bosu ball, add some <laughs> bands and chains. Like, what, what 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 am I supposed to do here? You know, I mean, it's all what's so. If I had him on the bench press, the bench press is a fucking beginner thing too, isn't it? Oh, but if I add six hundred pounds, all of a sudden it's like it's an expert. So, I mean, there's. There's 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 so much different shit out there and so many different people talking shit out there that know absolutely everything that I just don't want to be I, I want nothing to do with it. And that's another reason why I started doing the acupuncture thing is just so I don't have to be associated with with strength and conditioning anymore either. So I can just oh no no, don't don't mind me, I'm just an acupuncturist. Don't don't mind my views. I I'm I'm over here doing my own my own thing, and I really don't have anything to do with the meathead crowd anymore. You know, it's it, that the whole the whole industry is it's a big salesy industry, and it's no one's no one's doing anything new. I think that's the most important thing outside of technology. Nothing new has happened, right? Like what's Graston, Graston, ART, all this different fucking shit. Like it's it's all different. It's massage. Graston is gua sha. Gua sha is something that was they they did in acupuncture in Chinese medicine. Thousand they they took they took shit and scraped you with it. You know, like that's that's what that's what Graston is. And now you're doing like the rock, 
the uh, not the rock not rock tape uh the rock scraping or some shit like that i forget what the hell it's called but they they have all these different techniques all these different and it comes down to just reinventing the wheel outside uh, again outside of technology there's nothing nothing new going on so what are we claiming here i mean even even something like uh different eldoa stretches right it's yeah, I love Eldoa stretches. I think they're awesome. They're stre- it's fucking stretching. Fascial stretching. It's it's different aspects of yoga. And now what we've done with yoga is is bullshit too. Yoga originally started as uh ways to meditate longer, right? Like you you go into these positions because it was uncomfortable if you sat for too damn long. So you had to go into these positions to stretch a little bit longer so you can meditate longer. And all of a sudden we have yoga for booty and and you know like <laughs> It's it's so fucking stupid. We just we just keep trying to reinvent the wheel, and and there's nothing that needs to be done. Yeah, I think I think it's it's hard in our society too to find the right direction in the sense of, I mean, I try to I really try to spend as little time on social media as possible. But it is interesting making observations from time to time that like if it's a sports performance directed video, the the ones that get the most views are the ones that the the person did a, re- a really good job. Uh, either it's a new and interesting or unique exercise, or um, the well, I shouldn't say again. New. It's a it's a unique off the wall exercise that that could somehow be attributed to the athletes, like you know prowess, <laughs> or so, which gives us hope that like maybe we can be way better if we just did this one thing. Um, or it's something where like people really like do a cool like biomechanical analysis of whatever drill or movement they're doing, and it looks good and it's easy to understand. But then, but even those videos fundamentally have a lot of things that are like not right with the way that the the athlete is yeah. being trained sometimes and it's like and and but yet it's all people know that's how they learn and so and it's like i'm just kind of getting in this realm where i'm just finally starting to get formally mentored and and in and, and really truly critically think about human movement and and it's like and this is and i'm and i'm like three years in and and i'm just starting to really be able to take it on and watch athletes and finally understand it and that's like and that's three years of dedicated time with a mentor, like like as often as I can, versus like people who are just watching an Instagram video every now and then, or like and then have a curriculum in the exercise science class that doesn't really teach you anything about training athletes. It's like it's it is just an interesting place with how our learning process comes about. I I um so I did want to kind of dig into a few like the big rocks of the field that that you I feel like your views may have changed on over time, just because I think that. Um, you know, I, I think our industry is kind of based around a certain amount of staples. And like you said, like it's, it's stuff that like the basics are the basics and it's effective. And, you know, I think that having the most, most thorough understanding of the basics is good. Cause then you understand when something's bullshit and when it's not, you know, that like weird off the wall exercise, like, okay. Um, you know, maybe that, maybe that the person I see where you're going with that, like maybe there is something here versus I'm just doing this because it's. Uh, I think a lot of stuff is technology and, and based too. It's like, let me find a way to use this technology that fits with, you know, like fits with my objective when it really isn't doing anything. <laughs> um, I mean, not that technology, <laughs> I think technology is good, but I think sometimes you can get obsessed with like, you know, you, you have a string on a bar that tells you how fast it's going. That's awesome. Or like, uh, you know, a jump matter, all these things, but it's like, like there was a lot of really damn good, like, like I look at like high school track and field in the eighties in the United States and even college track and field. And I think I say those two populations because that's a little more absolved of the drug, you know, the drugs of the 80s than like the professionals, I think. But like there was some really damn good marks before we had all this research and 
before we had all these like you know social media and all this stuff and you know people were just fast and they were just doing the basics you know and like I just think that there's always a lot to be said of it but like what so in terms of um your views on a few topics like just strength strength and barbell training for your athletes and your populations how has that changed for you in the last five to ten years well you know we I I started off at DeFranco's when we were all about like the West side special barbell exercises, you know, like we, I don't want to say we couldn't see the forest from the trees, right? Like, cause that's, that, that wasn't true. Our goal was to get guys strong. Right. And we, I don't want to say we measured strength, um, from bench squat deadlift perspective, but that's, so it, we were, we were big into Louis Simmons um, so Louis Simmons benched with bands and chains. Why? Well, he dealt with geared lifters, you know, so they, he, they were benching in shirts and they were squatting in suits. So it was all about the lockout. Louis Simmons is, he's pretty brilliant for his sport. Like the guy was revolutionary, right? That's for his sport. Um, are the bands and chains the best thing for building strength in regular athletes? You know, like what's, so I, is, is that the best way to do it? Or what's the difference between using bands and chains and not using bands and chains, right? Like it's, if you get stronger, you get fucking stronger. It doesn't matter what you have on the bar. What's what is the goal? Why are we trying to get stronger? Are we trying to get stronger to improve strength? Are we trying to get stronger to improve flexibility? Are we trying to get stronger to improve mobility, right? Why are you using the strength? Um, and that's, my, I've, I've been asking why a lot more lately, because unless, unless you know your why, there's, there's no reason to be fucking doing it. Um, why are we adding bands? I have no problem adding bands to something, right? Like it just, we don't need to, we don't need to, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna fucking waste time setting something up. If we could get, if we could derive the same stimulus or adaptation from, from a, a lesser stimulus, like, isn't that the goal? Use as little stimuli as possible. Right to to yield mm -hmm. the to yield the same same mm -hmm. adaptation like that's that's what you're supposed to do when it comes to either I mean e even reprimanding your kids even yelling at them you don't need to yell at them maybe you just give them a look you know it's what are these athletes adapting to what do you need to do and let's do the minimum effective dose and it's it's coming real big now like oh you want to be anti fragile. And you want to expose them to a lot of stuff, but like that, it's another reason why I just don't watch the internet. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my, I'm, I'm a lot more simplistic in my views on weight training now. Um, it's, it, it, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but Charlie Francis called it chicken soup. I mean, you can't fuck up chicken soup. You know, you, you're throwing some chicken thighs and you're throwing some onions and you throw in some carrots and whatever right like and you got chicken soup like how how much of what like does it matter like I, it won't make that big of a difference how much better can chicken soup get how much worse can it get right so as long as you're not a total total monkey and throwing shit everywhere like you'll you'll be fine you know getting getting stronger is as easy as falling out of a boat and hitting water <laughs> you know even 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 the guy that cleans up the gym will get stronger because, I mean, you ever hear of farm boy strength, right? What did the farm boys do? They just threw hay. They, they did manual labor. It's not that fucking hard to get strong. Let's not, unless you're dealing with 
weightlifters or powerlifters. Like, let's let's not overcomplicate shit. And I think that's where it's changed. So, in which case, you want to add bands and chains, go right ahead. I don't care, right? But if you think you need to add bands and chains to get stronger, or or if you're not, you're being irresponsible. Like that's that's just asinine. Like I can get you stronger with just a regular barbell, or I could get you stronger just doing unilateral movements. Whatever is safer on the athlete, whatever's gonna increase longevity, whatever's not gonna whatever's not gonna drain their battery so they can't practice. Whatever it's the minimum effective dose so they can go out and actually practice and get better at their skill. You're listening to the Just Fly Performance Podcast, brought to you by Simply Faster. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's where it's like, yeah, I, I love that quote. By the way, the as it's as I mean, the minimum I think is is one of the biggest things I've learned too along the way. I just think it's interesting. Um, I think we just get so hyper focused and hyper zoomed in on like one thing in lifting. Like we get hyper zoomed in on VBT, we get hyper zoomed in on yeah bands and chains, and hyper zoomed in on a barbell oriented periodization scheme. I think that's then we lose the ability to zoom out and then kind of see everything else in the in the training world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and also, I mean, we, we get hyper zoomed in on just a particular exercise in general, right? Like you, you get guys that like deadlifting or guys that like squatting, and that's the only true measurement mm-hmm. of, of full body strength or the only way to really get strong, right? Like, what the hell's the difference between a single leg squat and a, a double leg squat, right? Like, if you get one leg strong, aren't you getting both legs strong? <laughs> both legs strong like what 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 are we working here like if i couldn't do single leg squats like a set of 10 with 70 pound dumbbells right like and then all of a sudden i did a set of 10 with 80 pound dumbbells well i got fucking stronger didn't i like what what we're, we're splitting hairs here with so much stuff like and as long as there's a reduction of injury and um uh, an increase or main maintenance of performance depending on what the level of the athlete is like we're, we're doing our job like availability how available are these athletes like that's that's the main main thing you know i i have i, I devin devin mccordy right he was one of the fastest guys in the nfl this year he was clocked at like over 20 or 22 miles an hour whatever the hell it was he was like a top five fastest guy in the nfl he's 31 right he's had back injuries shoulder injuries you name it we do no we, we do no VBT, right? Like I, I don't I don't do any velocity based training. I don't track bar speed. He, he don't even squat, right? Like, <laughs> uh oh, uh, don't say that. <laughs> you know, like he, he, what what are we what are we doing here? We do some sprints. I mean, yeah, that's that's our velocity based training, I guess. Um, we do some jumps. We do some throws, and I keep them healthy. Like the goal is, it, it's because we don't know enough. Just stay the fuck out of their way. Right. Like stay, let the athlete perform. Like, let's not try to take over their training. Let's, let's try to enhance, enhance their life as best as we can. If they leave here feeling better, we're doing our jobs better. Right. Like if they're, if there's a reduction in injury and they can actually perform, we're doing our jobs better. Uh, So Kevin Love, when he had first started training with me, I'd only worked with him four days before he ended up leaving for Cleveland. Um, and in those four days, what, what do you think I did with, uh, you know, whatever time NBA all-star NBA championship guy, first round draft pick, like future hall of famer. What am I going to do with this guy to improve his performance? 
Like, are, are you kidding me? Like, this is he's 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 a stud already. So what am I going to do? I'm going to allow him to feel better. Right. So after four days of working with me, um, he was working with a skills coach and he started dunking and a skill go- skills coach came up to me and said, I've been working with him for three, four years. He only dunks when he feels good. And then maybe five minutes later, he walked up to a skills coach. He says, I feel like me again. And he said, I've never seen him look this good. Dude, that's after four days. We did some stretching. We did some, we, we didn't do anything outrageous, right? But I wasn't loading him. We weren't doing any cleans. We weren't doing any squats. You know, there was nothing outrageous going on. I, I allowed him to start feeling good. I increased his proprioception. I, I gave him a couple of cues on how to work. I gave him some good warm-up stuff, and he started feeling good, right? Like, what is the goal? What are we trying to accomplish? Am I trying to get this athlete to run a 4-4, even though every single time he runs a 4-4, he pulls his hamstring? Or am I trying to get him to run four or five repeats all day, every day, whenever the hell he wants, right? Like, what, what is our goal? You know, it's, that's, that's, that's the main question that you got to ask yourself with, with everything that you're doing. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I love that you said that. I, I was reading, um, this was probably like five, six months ago, a story of a, a coach who's really well known talking about working with like a NFL, I think he was like an all pro um, several years running and he was bragging that he had never squatted, I think over 225, like in however many years. And this coach had a big problem with it. And I was like, but isn't that player doing an awesome job at his own minimum effective dose? Like if you don't have to squat this much and you're that good, aren't you probably assisting your own longevity in a way by by not like, you know, putting 400 pounds on your back? Or obviously I'm using kind of a psychological mechanism, but even like uh, by, by drawing um, more weight than that. But like, but there's there's a beauty to the fact that, you know, it's like, can't we just respect the athlete who's the awesome athlete, you know, like, and and doesn't have to necessarily use this one tool in a particular way to be as good as he is. And I look at like, um, like even like, like Kim Collins, like the track guy from the Bahamas who ran like nine ninety nine at age 39 or 40 or something insane. Like that guy doesn't lift. He just hangs out. He has this, he's the, to me, the ultimate like example of an athlete being an athlete who has the gifts, who's just like has a Island lifestyle you know, didn't like do too much probably by crushing weights for all those years. And, and, um, and he's got that awesome, like he's still going, he's still doing his thing. And, um, I've, I've run into the trap myself as an athlete myself of, of, of not doing the right things and seeing the repercussions plenty of times. It's always hits home. Um, but yeah, you and me both. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I I'm, I'm learning like over time what it means to just like, like you said, I feel like myself, like, and the best training I've done is stuff that gets me to feel like myself. And at, at my age, it's not a lifting, you know, it's not learning a new powerlifting or Olympic lift technique. It's usually something that allowed my body to move and flex and bend and twist and breathe in a manner that makes me feel like more like me. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and it's like, there's a lot of innate power, like in just the way the human body, you know, returns energy to itself and uses the fascial system and it's um yeah if i've learned anything it's just like even at the podcast i just did with ben patrick like the idea of like building athletes almost from like the the foot ankle and knee up because like if you just do all this hip dominant stuff but those you know the the power through those joints doesn't follow suit you become a different type of athlete over time and then i'm like 
yeah, I've become a different type of athlete over time, you know, and, and it's just, you have this lens where you, you look at yourself in a different way and you're like, holy cow, like I don't, you know, I don't want my, you know, I, I, I made the mistake. So hopefully my athletes don't have to, by the time, you know, they're my age or whatever, or, or yeah. So, so I, uh, to, to reinforce, uh, more confirmation bias of this conversation, um, we had an athlete, uh, a strength oriented athlete. I'm not going to say a name because I don't want to, I don't want to piss anyone off. Um, he was an offensive lineman in the NFL for over 10 years right? You ask any of his teammates, you say, oh, that guy, not a big leg guy. I worked with him for probably five to seven years. And I couldn't count on one hand how many times I saw him put a bar on his back. You know, like, and this is an offensive lineman. Like that's, that is the strength oriented position in the strength power sport. He barely squat. And I don't think when he squatted, he squatted more than 225. What, like, what, what are we doing here? And he was in the NFL for 12 years, a, a, a sport where the average career lasts three. And he was good. Like, what, are, are <laughs> we serious here? Like, what are we, what is the true measurement of, of the exercises we're, we're doing? Like, why, why are we doing them? Why are we so married to them? What are they really going to do? Right. Like that's it, it really those are the questions that really need to be asked. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm always on that continual like source of that. And I think it is important because it's like at the end of the day, too, it's like you can deconstruct even like a squat. And it's like, OK, to get. Yes, you probably should fundamentally be able to have the general strength to be able to squat a certain amount of weight to play in the NFL. Now, I mean, strength is specific, though, too. I mean, just just learn the technique of the squat, obviously, and the way your body can forms to it because i look at it in the sense of like um like you watch athletes do like the hatfield squat like i've, I've been in a kick where i'm like okay i'll have my swimmers do some hatfield squats for a little while just because so they can use their hands to control their torso because i'm thinking of this as a motor learning exercise for the torso and the trunk you know like because when you're in the water you obviously have more control and so but you watch how that athlete progresses over time is the athletes want to keep putting weight on the bar and all of a sudden now it's something that's fundamentally different because of the technique to lift more weight. It's like, yes, I can push my hips back and pull with my lats and the bar goes up, but that doesn't mean anything. Like <laughs> that just means I push my hips back and use my lats to lift a bar. Like, but that's not, that's, that's nothing compared to what you're actually doing in your sport. You know, the muscular recruitment that is occurring there. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that there aren't athletes who are certainly helped by strength who are weaker fundamentally, but, uh, you know, because there certainly are. But I just think that once we get to a certain point, um, and obviously this is a conversation that's had, you know, the, the, the max strength conversation, but I just think it's interesting to, um, I think if we saw more situations where at, with what athletes really did, and I think it would be helpful to give us that lens uh, when we look at the whole equation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it's... To, to be able to actually see what goes on, you know, rather than what, what, what they post about on social media. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What actually goes on? I think, cause I've, I've heard, I heard a funny story about, um, uh, uh, well, I'll just say, I won't, I won't necessarily, I almost feel like I could, but there was a really well-known football player who was working with a coach who didn't really like weights and used a lot of alternative means, uh, to train this guy and they made a big deal of it. But I guess like, 
the guy was actually like kind of lifting weights behind the coach's back or something like that. I was just kind of like, I, it's just kind of funny. Like, like what is reality and what's perception? Not like who knows if even lifting weights, it was probably more of a mental thing, you know, at that, at his age and position, stuff like that. But it's, um, it's, it's just always interesting to see what, you know, what actually went on for this athlete. And I, I wanted to ask you as well, and cause this is something that I think about a lot is like, as you've progressed through your career, you've been through so much, uh, in the time you've been in the field. Um, but what do you view, and obviously working with James Smith too in global dynamics, but what do you view, view the role of the, uh, I put in quotes in my question, physical preparation coach, or you call it strength coach. Like what, what's the, what's your view of that role and what would that role be in the perfect world? I think it's obsolete. Um, there's bro, I can barely read. Like I'm not that smart of a person naturally, right? Like I'm pretty good at math, but for, for, for English, English lit type shit, like, dude, I, I can't fucking read. Um, I was in reading classes pretty much my whole damn life. And I was able to grasp this stuff from a book, you know? Um, it's really not that hard. There's no reason why a coach can't learn what we know in a decent amount of time. And if an actual skills coach was able to learn and apply what we do we're we're done there's no reason why a wide receivers coach can't put his put his guy through some weight work i mean outside of like you know physios um some you know some therapists and stuff like that's that's pretty specialized for for rehabilitation but from a general standpoint like i don't i don't think there's a need for a strength coach i think it's i think it's a bullshit position nowadays um or it should be anyway because they, they these these the the position coaches the skills coaches they should be able to acquire this inf- information with relatively little effort they they really should and i think what may end up happening is uh strength coaches are going to start becoming skills coaches uh and, and that's kind of where it should be um and then all of a sudden the skills coaches should be like track and field yeah right track and field coaches handle all their guys why why the hell can't a football coach the, the only problem is majority of athletic coaches are former athletes. Majority of football coaches are former football players. Majority of football players have CTE, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's it's like, what are we dealing with? We're, we're not dealing with the cream of the crop when it comes to, uh, typically when it comes to any kind of uh, mental capacity, right? So it's it's limited. Whereas if you get a different, different um, group different population actually taking in these roles, these high paying roles, these high paying jobs, all of a sudden becomes less of a need for the, the minute stuff like strength coaches. Like what are we, as, as you learn more and more strength is just one part of the puzzle. Yes. It doesn't matter how big, strong, fast you are. If you overload these kids, they're going to get hurt. So if you're a head coach and your team sucks and you say, we're, we might be the worst team, but we're going to be the best conditioned team. And all you do is run these fucking guys. They're all going to get hurt and they're going to get worse. <laughs> if you're a coach and your team is awesome and you say, not only are we going to be the best team, but we're going to be the best conditioned team and you run them into the ground, they're going to get hurt. And then you have no team. So it, 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 there needs to be a change. And I think that change is going to be making its way from the strength coach up, not the other way around, because these people don't seem to want to evolve. 
Yeah, that that's. I'm glad you made that point actually, because like, <laughs> I mean, for what it, it is, I will say it's an audacious statement. But it, you, what you, I, I, I agree with you in the sense of, yes, in the perfect world, and this not, not being any offense to anyone in the sports performance industry, but in the perfect world, yes, if the skill coach just like read Easy Strength by Dan, John, and Pavel, you know, like, and just had the basic technique down. I do not believe it would miss and and could see the integration over time because it's like now you don't just get the kids from the weight room and you're working with them. You put them through whatever and you, now you directly are getting you you're you're managing through your intuition. Um, and if you have any data or, or you track anything, but you're directly managing the whole process. And I know like, you know, I've spent time as a track coach, right? And I write obviously when small school, I write the whole weightlifting program and when I was writing the whole program, we spent a lot less time in the weight room um, than we did when I was the the a, a strength coach for track, uh, respectively, <laughs> because I knew exactly what my athletes needed, and I knew after yep. thirty minutes we don't need to be in there anymore. And you can go, you know, take a nap or whatever, get extra rest. I don't think my athletes were doing that, sadly, but uh, you know, like <laughs> in a perfect world, they would have got extra sleep, like if it was a true high performance environment um, and not necessarily a D three liberal arts school, uh, but. It's, uh, you know, like, I, I know exactly what you mean there. But I do think, like, I agree with what you're saying in that it is probably going to come from the strength coaching side of the industry. I don't know. You know, I, I look at, like, and maybe it's just because our field is so competitive. If you're the type of person who has a holistic performance mindset on your body, then maybe you also, like, are wanting to be a, a an innovator and a dot connector. And I know I know several people I've had on this show and colleagues in the, who are in the field who are connecting those dots into skill acquisition or who already have done that and doing so from a point that, you know, you have to just connect everything. So anyways, I, I kind of agree with you. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where the whole thing goes, you know, with like Sean Mishka's movement and, and the people who are in the perceptive reactive and who are starting to really extrapolate those spaces out. Cause you look what they're doing, watch what they're doing and you're like, Oh, like that's like sports. And then people criticize that though. Like, you know, they're like, Oh, like, you know, stay in your lane and da da da. But it's like, well, oh, if we, yeah. if we stay in our lane though, <laughs> then like, I don't, I don't know. It just seems like the ceiling is, is there. It's like, okay, here's the ceiling. And if you stay in our lane, what are we, I just don't ever feel like we're going to be able to push past that ceiling. You know, you're, you're basically relegated to, um, what, uh, someone had said, like, like the strength coach can't help you win the championship, but it can help you not lose it. Like they're getting hurt and stuff. And I get that. I, I think that's very important and relevant, but it's like, if you want to push the performance ceiling up, you have to get into that stuff. You have to, otherwise you're stuck on the, um, you know, bonder checks pyramid. You got the SPEs and GEs towards the bottom. You're stuck on the bottom layer basically. And yeah. there is something to making that bottom layer cool and relevant and, and getting, um, like you said, an athlete back to feeling like themselves, and, and I've I've really found that there is there is a lot there, and a lot more than I tend to think there is there. But I um, I just think that's really profound what you're saying there, and I, I think that it'll be interesting to see how that that the skill acquisition and from the physical prep side continues to manifest itself. Yeah, dude. I mean, think think about it. Think about it in the sense of loading, like the, your your weightlifting sessions when you were the track coach were significantly less because you saw the loading that occurred. You saw the fatigue that occurred. Whereas if you're just in the weight room, it's like, all right, come on, get your shit in. <laughs> hey, we got three sets of 10 lunges. We got, we got to do three sets of six, uh, eccentric squats. And then we got to get our glued ham raises. I don't want you pulling hamstrings. Meantime, if you're the wide receivers coach and you see that your guy was not only doing, uh, route running, but then they also had him on special teams and he just ran, 
seven 100s with 30 seconds rest, we're like, what, what, what the hell are we doing? Like at high intensity. And then he got trucked every freaking time <laughs> down, you know, like what, what are, what are we doing? Like get in the weight room, let's do something that makes you not want to kill yourself. And then we get out. Whereas if you're the strength coach, you got to be the fucking hard ass and got to do this because there's there's the separation. That's why it's important for the skills coaches to actually be the ones managing the load because and, and to know how to manage the load because they're deciding the fate of the players. You know, it's that's mm-hmm. it needs to be done that way. They the head coach, the offensive, the, whoever's in charge of loading needs to know physical preparation, has to know it, and has to know the game, right? So. The only people that seem to be wanting to make that kind of commitment seem to be the strength coaches, right? But they need to make the jump now. I, I a lot of my guys that want to get involved in sports, I tell them to become sport coaches. Hmm. Like all my strength conditioning guys, become sport coaches because you already have the interest to be a strength conditioning coach, so you'll always learn that. But become a sport coach. That way, you can know you know how to hire. You know exactly how to load. You know how to monitor. You know how to do absolutely everything associated with the sport. You know, it's what James talks about in the governing dynamics of sport um, is is the concept of a general contractor, right? Like, or or uh, you ask someone who owns a construction company, right? Who does absolutely all the work. He can do the carpentry. He can do the plumbing. He can do the, the, the electrical work, even though he licenses out for a lot of the stuff he's capable of doing it because now he can truly oversee things and know how they're done. Whereas the head football coach, he doesn't know anything about physical therapy. All he knows about physical preparation is that his guys need to squat and they need to run stadiums and they need to run one tens because that's how tough guys are made. (laughs) You know, like they, they, what, what do they know about the psychology of sport, right? They know absolutely nothing. Whereas if you put that guy into the construction setting, all of a sudden the, he's, the G, he's the GC and the building falls down and everyone's wondering why. You get, a, you get away with a lot more in sport because humans are very plastic and we heal than you do in any kind of engineering. So that's what James talks about in the, in the governing dynamic of sport, right? That, that. The, the absolute uh, ignorance that occurs in sport. Yeah, I think when we when we section things out so much, uh, it just it's it's bound to happen that <laughs> that there's a lot of uh, ignorance left out on what's going on on the other side of your specific job. You know, be, be it sports medicine, strength and conditioning, the actual the actual sport itself, which is by far where the athletes are spending the majority of their time. And, um, no, I, I agree with you. I do think that if the, if a actual sport coach was the load manager, cause again, that's what you are in track and field. And it would be hard to imagine, like if I'm the track coach, the strength coach telling me the load, you know, the loads that my athletes should be. I mean, not that again, not that I think it's awesome. Like you said, that, that strength and conditioning is picking up that hat to say, or saying, you know, I'll do this, I'll do this load management and it's going to help sport evolve through that way. And eventually it will manifest itself in a, in a way that I think will be optimally efficient. Um, and, you know, just even hearing like younger coaches, like younger, younger sport coaches these days are taking to that stuff. And really from my, uh, um, from what I hear uh, very well compared to the older coaches and using the load management and monitoring. And, and I do think that that's evolving in that way for now. So I think it's awesome that, uh, that, you know, eventually it's going to become more efficient and effective as with anything over time. But, 
I, I mean, looking at things from a track and field perspective, it, it totally makes sense to me. Like if the strength coach was telling me my loads I should do on the track, <laughs> you know, like as a track coach, knowing obviously if you're track coach, you have to know stuff. At least you think you'd have yep. to know that stuff. There's a lot of people who I think still are behind the eight ball, but most good track coaches, if all, all good track coaches, no load. Um, so no, it's just, it's an interesting perspective. Um, and it'll be cool to see how, you know, the, like people like, uh, like Sean Mishka and Michael Sufel and, uh, and James Smith, U.S. strength are continuing to kind of push that forward. Cause I think they are, you know, I think people are starting to notice and see that. And, and I love seeing that stuff. I love seeing too, like if you warm up with like specific directed, perceptive, reactive work, those coaches understand that that was a big part of the training, you know, like that. And I've even done stuff with like, you know, if I've, I've even had like my tennis team, in the off season, play a different sport. We'll play basketball for 30 minutes and then just lift weights for 20. And I was like, that was a way better workout than if we lift the weights for 50, you know, the, just the engagement and the crossing of skills. And then, and then, and then we lift what we needed to lift. You know, it's, um, it's just, uh, how, how the session's packaged and uh, we could go on on this forever, I'm sure. But, uh, no, it's, uh, it's a good perspective and I'm interested to see how the field evolves in that route. Um, Mike, I, I had Mike I had one last question for you here, uh, and that's you know you talked about movement training uh, with your athletes, you know in this you working with pro high level athletes, and so and obviously with well with any athlete right, but like what what's your foundations of of movement training for these guys? How do you what's some of your core tenets of getting them to feel to basically be a better human, to be to feel like themselves, to be um, the best mover and athlete that they can be in what you've learned in the field. You know, I, it, 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 it all depends. Um, I'm really not married to anything, uh, specifically. I kind of just go with what works. Um, if, you know, I'll ask, I'll ask the athletes some questions. Um, I'll watch them perform some basic stuff. Like I'll watch them walk, um, and, and see if there's any restrictions. I'll put them through like, you know, I'll watch them do some squats and, uh, some, some body weight lunges, maybe some push ups, some band pull apart, some rows, something like that. And, and I'll kind of get a feel for where the restrictions are and, and see how, and, and ask them, Hey, what hurts? What doesn't hurt? What feels good? What doesn't feel good? And then honestly, I kind of just mobilize and, and open up those restricted areas. And then we just, you know, we'll, we'll do on my website, or not my website, my YouTube page that yeah, on my YouTube page, I have like a hip circuit, a lunge circuit, um, a, scap a scap circuit, and a shoulder circuit that I put guys through, like basic stuff, right? Like that's, you know, you, you, it's a ground-based hip circuit that's like a rehab 101 thing. You have some forward lunges, side lunges, reverse lunges, front cross lunges, and some of my guys can't do front cross lunges because they have like broken feet or whatever, and it bothers them. So we won't do that. Um, Lateral raise, front raise, reverse flies, flies, pullovers, you know, side pull downs, basic stuff, hitting the shoulder from every angle, um, scaps, protraction, retraction, elevation, depression. It's, it's, it's really as simple as that, right? So those are, those are basic movements that I'll have guys do um, and then maybe load them. We'll do – if they're movement-based athletes like, uh, like running-based athletes, we'll do some side shuffles, some back pedals, and then some forward running as well. You know, we'll do some resisted running depending on who they are. It, it, it all depends on how they're moving, right? If I see an issue with one of the movements, I'll cut it and then we'll address the issue. And then if we can, if we can address the issue, we, address, we spend time addressing that issue. And if not, then we just move on and we, we do something else. So 
it, it's it 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 just it it all depends. You know what they do. I do all auto regulation. All my training sessions are auto regulated. Uh, I, I, nothing's really. I won't say nothing's written down because think you know every everything that they've done is recorded. But I, prior, we have a general idea of how it wants to how we want this session to go. But I mean, you know, to, to bring to bring up Kevin Love again, I'll. I'll train him. I'll show up there and he'll say, Hey, I had a photo shoot earlier today and I'm fucking exhausted. So we were supposed to have a high intense workout like that. Clearly that isn't going to happen that day. Right. So the six month program that I just wrote out in advance for him just hit the shitter because of one day, one setback. So it's all about being a plan B. So what, what I do is I have a general outline that I go with guys and I just auto regulate from there and whatever, and that's the point of knowing all different exercises, right? So you have different menu items. So hey, I wanted to hit some kind of, you know, I want I want to hit some kind of quad dominant exercise here, and some kind of posterior chain uh, dominant exercise here, and some kind of scap dominant exercise here. Well, this seems to hurt. Let's try this one. All right, that seems to hurt. Let's try that one. You know, like that's that's essentially what what my sessions are comprised of. Yeah, I, I like um, how you just kind of have that like rotating menu of things uh, to work through until the body just feel it just I mean, there's nothing um, I think it's just very powerful to say, OK, that feels good. OK, let's do that one. And and it's <laughs> it's simple, but it's effective. I even like I'm, I'm one of the rabbit holes I'm getting down is like biofeedback and, and you know, strength training. So doing like uh, Dave Delanov, I think that's how you say his last name. You do like you can be presented with three types of deadlifts, like a Jefferson, a sumo regular just do the one that basically feels the best and elicits the best short-term mobility increase that takes you to a threat and just roll with that one on the day. And, and, uh, just like listen to the body. I've, I've felt like there's a lot of power in that. And, and even if it's, you know, the simplest of movements like a deadlift or whatever, um, a good, a good artist uh, can get a lot out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and not to say that I'm not, that I, that I'm going to be anti. I, I don't want people to think that I'm anti squat, anti bench, anti deadlift. I had I had an NFL guy in a seven year vet, in uh, the other day, and he goes, "Hey, can we hit some squats?" Yeah, his structure could support that. He was big, he was strong. I had zero problems doing it. So what did we do? We did some, we did some controlled eccentric squats. Uh, I think he I think he worked his way up to like three fifty five, three sixty five, something like that, and he did them for like six reps, right? Like I have zero problem. That's that's a decent amount of weight. Right. Especially for eccentrics as well. Like I have no problem doing that. Right. So it's I'm not married to one specific exercise and I don't hate any specific exercise. You know, just pick something and go with it. Yeah, I, I like I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, too, because it just it, I think it expands the artistry of what you do and having a lot of, you know, you just got to pick the right tool for the right job, you know, and uh, yeah. And it takes a while to get there and it takes some wisdom to get there. And, you know, it's, it's, it would be cool to have almost like the evolution of the average evolution of in the physical prep industry. It's almost like, I do feel like it goes from a lift centric model to an athlete centric model over time. And then eventually that, but that athlete centric model is infinite, you know, like that's what we're talking about. Like, and maybe that's it. Maybe that's where we get to the point where like, man, there was so much out there, like, and uh, as soon as you put and then as well as just understanding that the fundamental, you know, human being who is wired to be a good athlete, what they're capable of, um, even without our help, you know, in a sense, like it's um, it's just cool, cool to sit back and respect that. So uh, but Mike, man, I, I'm, I'm out of time for this morning and uh, it was it was awesome having you on. Awesome hearing your thoughts, some heavy stuff, like some stuff that I'm actually like. 
I'm like trying not to like think about it kind of like as I go because I'm like I'll probably be thinking about it today but uh, just like really heavy ideas and and for direction in the industry and to just give the the athletes and sports performance or sports in general I think the best it can have uh, I appreciate your time and your thoughts man dude thank you thank you so much for having me on I'm sorry it took so long for me to get on no, it's it's all good. It was worth the wait. So I, I appreciate it. Man. <laughs> Hopefully, we can talk in person sometime. That would be that would be fantastic. Yeah, definitely. And and just so to to close with this, um, I I don't want anyone to get like offended or pissed off or aggravated with anything that I say because it's like I I I just think out loud and I I'm gonna I'll likely go back on things that I said in five years, ten years from now. Like I don't know, I I, I know that I don't know anything. <laughs> so it's uh, that that kind of gives me the open openness to change my mind on shit. Um, so just don't don't I don't want people to think like anything I say is is gospel or that I think that anything that I say is gospel either. Like it's you know, I think that's the most important thing that people need to take away is we just have no friggin idea at the end of the day. Like we could test all we want and we have we don't know for 100 percent certainty certainty on anything. Yeah, to put our ego out of the, out of the way and ask why is just fundamental. And yeah, and to be able to to and and conversations like this that stir up a lot of why questions. Uh, I love having these. So uh, thank thank you again, Mike. Really appreciate it, man. Thanks, brother. All right, that does it for another episode. And again, uh, talk with Mike just so authentic I, I it was almost you know we we were hoping to do the show in person but in some senses it's almost like we were and so i i hope to have mike back on in the future he's doing great things check out his um if you're not familiar with what he's doing definitely uh stay in touch with him on his instagram feeds and youtube and uh i think mike is really serving the industry well in his own evolution and going to acupuncture school and i'm excited to see what's next for him uh if you listen to this show often or if it was your first episode either way, uh, and you want to really help us out in, in getting this message out and what we're doing out there, uh, I'd be really appreciate if you left us a rating review on iTunes, Stitch, or whatever. You know, I should probably ask for that at the beginning, because I'm getting these, like, partial episode, uh, how many people you know, turn off at the end of the episode and go on to the next one, which I do all the time myself. I don't often listen to these things. That being said, if you could leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever, would totally appreciate that. Also, our sponsor, simplyfaster.com awesome company doing great things uh, informationally through the products they offer. Uh, we really appreciate them. So yeah, I think that does it for this week's show. That was an awesome one. We will see you guys next week with another great guest. Have a wonderful week.